back home again in Indiana and it seems that I can see the gleaming candlelight still shining bright through the sycamores for me the new mown hay sends all its fragrance through the fields I used to roam and when I dream about the moonlight on the Wabash then I long for my Indiana home who's your daddy Hello and welcome to The Jungle. My name is Adam and I'm joined by my co-host Jenna and this is Who's Your Daddy, a podcast where we talk about all things Indiana, the Midwest in general and everything in between. Jenna, how are you? (laughs) (laughs) I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a a really beautiful day out. It is. It's It's actually the first super nice day. In a while, yeah. Yeah. That's not like uh, you go outside and you're like, I'm going to go back inside right now. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's heavy out but it wasn't like that today no i got to go horseback riding earlier oh really it was so nice yeah that's pretty cool it's been too hot i haven't been able to go for a while do the horses get too hot or do they like it hot no they get hot they They get hot and sweaty um like the same temperature that you and i prefer like 60s like mid 70s do they mind the cold uh if it's really cold but sure no if they're moving they're okay if it's like 25 out oh no they're fine I'm fine. Yeah, they don't care. <laughs> I'll just run around for a minute. Yeah. And I'll be good. <laughs> they have blankies, too, that we put on them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like those big um, kind of... In uh, Britain, they call them things. rugs. Oh, well. They, they do kind of look like rugs. They do. <laughs> but, they, but they just like... Uh, did they, they don't go over their head, really. They just kind of no. rest on their back. They but like they go around their chest. Around. Yeah. yeah they go around just to keep them on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want one of those. It's kind of like a cape. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah. Like a or like a knight's horse, how they had the big the big long ones. Well, let's not make stuff up. Okay. Mm. You know, sometimes mm. Jenna, when you don't know what you're talking about, you just start making stuff up like that. And I think it's <laughs> you who doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, you might be right. All right, you want to go over last week's trivia question? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's um, do it. So I asked you, uh, what was the record low temperature recorded on January nineteenth, nineteen ninety four, in New Whiteland, Indiana? That's right. I and said negative uh, 47, yes. I believe, is what I said. And you were a little bit, little bit on the, the crazy end. Well, not really. You were close. But it was negative 36 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, my God. I was super close. Yeah, you were pretty close. I was very, very close. That's an amazing guess from, from me. I'm going to give myself a pat on the back. Uh, okay. Like, good job, Adam, you bitch. All right. You want a cookie? I would love a cookie. <laughs> I've that been, that I've does been sound really good. I've been craving a, a, a chocolate chip cookie. None Ooh. of that gluten-free shit either. Full of okay. gluten. Okay. Okay. Some of us don't have choices. Well, I know. I'm just saying. Well, like, like I do have a choice. I just don't. I was just saying. Sick, if, so. if we go and get chocolate chip cookies after this, I would ask that um, you, if you go, you would also get. <laughs> I get my own cookies. <laughs> Whoa! Yes, that was very loud. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I get my own cookies. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> I was playing with the levels too, so maybe that was my fault. But okay, it, okay, it, that it, was de- that was 100 your fault. Yeah, uh, it wasn't though, because I turned you down when it happened. <laughs> turned down. Turned down for what? For chocolate chip cookies, and mm-hmm. you know, loud volumes. But mm-hmm. no, I would love to get chocolate chip cookies. But yeah, maybe we could go after this. Yeah, I probably have to do my homework. Whatever. We're, we're having a conversation about it. We don't even <laughs> talk about that right oh, now. Oh, hey, are we on a podcast right <laughs> yeah, now? Yeah. What? You're like, People hey, are listening. Uh, tip for the show, guys. Shut the fuck up about getting cookies and stuff. Just get to the dumb stories. <laughs> Make bad jokes. Give us the news. Move it on. Well, yeah, this isn't about the news, though. Today, we are going over, um, you know, some Indiana history. So, and, and in this case, we're, it, it is um, 
U.S. history too. This is a a topic that yeah, because is... Indiana's uh, in the United States, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is one reason why. But it, it the um, effects of the two things that we're going to be talking about today that are that are definitely intertwined, which is mm-hmm. why I have them together, um, are have unique implications in Indiana, but also have interesting. Um, nationwide um, implications but mm-hmm. obviously this is historical this is about 100 years ago so um it's a little uh, little fun little history show for this one i guess little fun little history show brought to you by pbs not really yep peanut butter sandwich <laughs> oh uh, yeah i never realized that it, you could make it stand for that or peanut butter spoon <laughs> peanut butter spoon and that is a reference to what jenna does anytime that she gets any sort of spreadable thing or maybe um, <laughs> a food that a geriatric might eat a soft food uh jenna likes to a leave a okay. virtually a full serving of that food on the spoon in the sink without rinsing it <laughs> Um, or even making any attempt to clean off the spoon. And then she likes to leave it there for roughly 12 to 18 hours until it gets nice and stinky, and then I <laughs> clean it up. <laughs> okay, I was exaggerating a little bit, but um, that's what... It's pe- more like five hours. That's what peanut butter spoon is. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, the first thing that we're going to be talking about today is something called um, Chautauqua, and really the Chautauqua movement. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, no, I thought you were going to say something about shiitake, like shiitake mushrooms. Nope. And I was like, well, we're on the, you know, on the food train today. Nope. Shiitake mushrooms is the full extent of things I know about shiitake mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know nothing else. Other so Chautauqua? Chautauqua, yeah. Is that Native American? It is Native American. Ooh. Yes. It is an Iroquois uh, word with a couple different meanings. Uh, first of all, a bag tied in the middle. Or it could also mean two moccasins tied together. So I, I think and they throw them over like a electric pole. Well, they didn't, a, you know there weren't electric, electric poles there. <laughs> they throw them over a tree. Maybe a tree branch. Yeah, yeah. but no, it it is um it is a description or you know it's uh it's called that the movement is called that because it started in Chautauqua, New York. Mm, um, and okay. Chautauqua, New York is right on a lake that kind of looks like two moccasins tied oh, together or a bag kind of tied in the middle. Yeah, and it, and it totally does. You guys should look it up. I, I don't know if it's called, if it's Lake Chautauqua, um, or I, I forget, but the town is called Chautauqua, and it's S-C-A-U-T-A-U-Q-U-A, which is really hard to type, because I had to <laughs> type it a lot here, and I was like, ah, <laughs> mixing up the letters, or the order, or whatever, but yeah. So that's where it started, yeah. Um, and it is it is Chautauqua Lake, um, and it's southwest New York. It's not uh, far from from uh, Pennsylvania. Cool. And uh, this area was the setting for the first educational assembly, the Chautauqua Institution, and so provided the name to the movement. Hmm. So let me give you a little bit more background about okay. this. So in 1874, John Hale Vincent and Lewis Miller rented a Methodist camp, uh, a, camp a Methodist camp meeting site to use in the post camp meeting season as a summer school for Sunday school teachers. So. Um, you know, they had their normal season or whatever, mm-hmm. where it would be like summer meetings. And then they bought this to use, mm-hmm. you know, else um, when that wasn't happening. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, this became known as the Chautauqua Institution and reflected a nationwide interest in the prof- professionalization of teaching. Vincent and Miller were very clear that their intent was educational rather than revivalist uh, because they were Methodist. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I believe they're Methodist or it was just a Methodist camp. I don't know, but they're religious. Um, it should be stressed that the Chautauqua institution was never affiliated with any one denomination. Pretty much every faith group in the United States had a chapel or building on the grounds today or has one now mm-hmm. today because uh, it's still around. Still, the sort of mild uh, Protestantism that has uh, informed much of American culture was an underpinning of the Chautauqua movement. Like it definitely just was. Hmm. Uh, you can't really deny that. Yeah. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this even more so as we go on, but from like 1870 to 1930 mm-hmm. and even more so in like 1880 to 1920 yeah. was more popular, but really that whole 60 year period, um, oh, got a burp. Whoa. Nice. Uh, there were some popular forms of entertainment were revivalist preaching mm-hmm. and these sort of, um, you know, well, the Chautauqua movement and, and it had other forms as well where it was kind of like this uh, educational kind of like, uh, what am I trying to say? Well, you said educational assembly. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, like, like a conference? Almost. more like, like a whole city would come together and like for a week for a festival about yeah. like the arts and like. Okay, so like the World's um, Fair, that sort of thing. Kind of, kind of, yes. In the same Simil- sort of vein. Similar um, a little bit different than the World's Fair because mm-hmm. it was more focused on like uh, intellectual thought. Yeah, that's what okay, I was going to say. Yeah. Like, uh, you know. Like a philosophy like, fair. Kind of, yeah. Like Mark Twain might come and speak and mm-hmm. then there might be like Sunday school as well. Like they were they were definitely religious, but they didn't necessarily have to be. Mm-hmm. Like there was a religious aspect to them and sure. in some areas there was a heavy religious aspect well, to yeah, them. Well, yeah, that was. It was like the yeah. primary thing, but in yeah. other places it doesn't wasn't necessarily like that or they uh, might have like a girl's uh, section where, uh, you know, young women could learn things because they didn't have access to um well yeah high schools and stuff especially if it was in a rural area but let's just keep reading here so within a few years the scope of the chautauqua institution had broadened to include adult education of all kinds as well as a correspondence course the chautauqua literary literary and scientific circle designed to bring a college outlook to working and middle class people Along with the educational, um, and education was broadly defined to include the arts and public affairs offerings at Chautauqua, its thousands of summer residents attended concerts and social activities. Cool. Yeah. That sounds of, fun. It is pretty cool. Like, I mean, again, I don't, the religious aspect wasn't present all the way everywhere mm-hmm. as we right. will find out it does sometimes, but if it wasn't, it just, it does sound pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'd want to go to that. Yeah, me too. Uh, by the last decade of the 19th century, the Chautauqua Institution was nationally known as a center uh, for rather earnest, but high minded uh, activities that aimed at intellectual and moral self-improvement and civic involvement. So probably just should have read that because that said everything <laughs> that I was trying to say in a much better way. Well, we paraphrased it. It's yeah, fine. We did something. We there. did the Cliff Notes version. Yeah. Kind of, although it took longer. <laughs> You're right. That kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah. 100%. Uh, <laughs> and it was less clear. <laughs> well, shit. So never mind. There are the cliff notes. Okay. <laughs> and just more accurate. Uh, the Chautauqua movement, uh, with which the Chautauqua Institution has had a, a maternal interest, but never a formal relationship, grew out of that Chautauqua literary and scientific circle. As its members and graduates spread, uh, spread the Chautauqua idea, many towns, especially in rural areas where opportunities for secondary education were limited, established mm-hmm. Chautauquas. Chautauqua had a degree of cachet and became shorthand for an organized gathering intended to introduce people to the great ideas, new ideas and issues of public concern that's so cool yeah independent I love this yeah quote Sorry. no you're good mm-hmm. quote unquote independent assemblies those with permanent buildings and staff could be found throughout the u.s by 1900 with a con- concentration in the midwest mm-hmm. so these things were like really uh de- like nationwide popular yeah um and like you said pretty cool well that's i mean it's a very like 
new agey kind of idea for back then to be like we're gonna in some way nationalize education and further education and yeah like there was um like we talked about like the spiritual spiritualist revival that was a little bit before this Mm -hmm. and it's interesting how i like they take similar forms sometimes Mm -hmm. like how these things uh build up and like become nationwide yeah like it's like it's a kind of uh similar path to that Mm -hmm. um it just took a little bit longer for the grifters to come in. Um, <laughs> right. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say was with, with other one. movements, you have a lot of people just trying to like sell you shit and yeah. scam artists. And with this, it feels like maybe it's a little bit more genuine, but well, and it's a built a little bit better to, um, to avoid that happening. Like we're not just trying to sell you snake oil. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times uh, those kind of people Im- infiltrate things like they, this. They find their way, of course. Anything popular, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what they're doing. Yeah. They're grifty grifters. Yeah. Um, so after 1900, the circuit Chautauqua, which is how it became known because these things started traveling. Mm, um, okay. Yeah. So, so for it, not all, all the time, there were like established ones in the same places mm-hmm. all the time, but some would travel. Uh, they became the principal expression of the movement. The independent, independent assemblies were somewhat wary of these traveling tented Chautauquas. Still at the height of the Chautauqua movement about, uh, at about 1915, mm-hmm. some 12,000 communities had hosted a Chautauqua. Cool. Yeah. A lot. Many of the lecturers and performers were contracted by Chautauqua agencies. The most notable was the Red Path Agency in Iowa. And the quality of the offerings varied from Vassar educated lecturers and Shakespeare to animal acts and vaudeville farce. So So not always super educational. No, no. Like it covered the gamut. Yeah. Like like this original one. It's almost like um, actually it's a great analogy. in this is Ted. Ted Talks. Like the original Ted conference is very elite yes. and like it, y- you don't get to so. go to that yeah. like um uh, and then everyone's I, you know they happen all the time now and like mm-hmm. a college has when they're like yeah i did a ted talk no you fucking didn't well there's like the trickle down you did a of. tedx talk yeah where literally anybody can just get up there and do whatever they want mm-hmm. like if they get approved by this student college board or whatever of, yeah. of students um which is not to say that it's just necessarily <laughs> meaningless but i it, mean that is one of the ways that i first heard about my the degree program that I'm in well, now. That's was, what I mean. They're not. Uh, I think it was either a TED or TEDx. Whatever, I was going to say they can be very good, yeah. but it uh, it's not definitely good. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who's that? Sam uh, Sam Hind or whatever the comedian uh, who did the real weird uh, TED talk, and he always gets. Oh, I don't know. He always gets mistaken for it. for shoot being a shooter. Sam Hind or Hines? I forget. I, I have no idea. Yeah, he's funny, uh, and he, he like did a, a really dumb ted talk and yeah. like made a fool of himself to be like it's not that crazy right yeah <laughs> let's take it down a notch people yeah but it's similar to that because like i just said these could be very uh great things or sometimes yeah. you know well it, people like it what do you think you would do like what would your little act be oh at the at I think chautauqua I'd have, I'd have like some per, i don't like some dancing chickens that I like perform at a bad one, like at a vaudeville. Yeah. Kind oh, of one. absolutely. I mean, I'm not talented enough to be like a philosopher. So. I would, well, I'd go back to my my thing of just catching gr- like fruit snacks in my mouth or something. <laughs> yeah. And have people throw grapes at me. Yeah. There you go. Or <laughs> something. Yeah. Okay. So the movement pretty much died uh, died out by the mid 1930s. Most historians cite the rise of car culture, radio, and movies as the causes. There were several other important yet subtle reasons for the decline. One was the sharp increase in fundamentalism and evangelical Christianity in the 1920s. Boo. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. The bland and non-denominational... Non-denomin- 
Can you say it for me? Non-denominational? Yes. Non-denominational. Uh, yeah. The bland non-denominationalism exhibited go. at most Chautauquas couldn't accommodate meetings or church camp. Or couldn't oh, a, couldn't oh a, God forbid we don't make everything about religion. Well, no, because this... I although, thought they were trying to say because it was neutral, it was less like favorable. Well, non-denominationalism isn't neutral. It's still Christianity. Um. Like it says, it, it's just it couldn't accommodate these impulses, the impulses of fundamentalism oh, in evangelical Christianity. Sorry. I think where I misunderstood. You can, uh, you, you slam your hands on a table and yeah. yell about a fiery hell that is very real and exactly the way that we imagine it. And like um, things like that. Gotcha. Uh, you know, there's less entertainment. There's less fear. It's much more sure. um, reasonable mm-hmm. and just like approachable and yeah. like, it takes a little bit of nuance to talk about because <laughs> it's not obvious what we're supposed to imply or grapple with right uh many small but now not a nomination non-denominational uh christian some of that now is moved more just to the grifty stuff where it's like oh sure <laughs> big these mega things like that thing in atlanta um where i'm not saying that people don't go and feel closer to god it's just like I don't think their intention was to sell out arenas mm-hmm. and like play music with this right. like, ripped bearded hunk guy who's clearly doing this for the money. Right. <laughs> it's just like, okay. Uh, many small independent Chautauquas became essentially camp meetings or church camps. Another seemingly contradictory influence was the rise of the liberated educated woman. Uh, Chautauquas functioned for many lower and middle class women, much as the elite women's college colleges did for upper class women. Yeah. If that makes sense. Which yeah. Which is really which nice. Does. Yeah. So when it, women started being able to get, you know college education those women gosh they have to be educated yeah and i think it's a good thing Uh, (laughs) no i think it's (laughs) a great thing i'm being sarcastic so yeah but then these just they're um a big part of why they existed or why they were so popular just wasn't needed anymore it was covered somewhere else interesting they were training out they were training grounds from which women could launch quote real careers when professional and educational opportunities increased interest in chautauqua was dwindled finally the depression itself made them um pretty much economically impossible yeah i mean as it did with a lot of things Mm -hmm. so that's that's pretty common ruined a lot of stuff for us in america but yeah so the chautauqua is a very interesting um thing that i've never heard about i didn't mean this is news to me yeah and that from you know eight, like i said 1870 to like 1930 like a 60 year span there where they it's really cool people would have these like sort of intellectual camp meetings for a week or two weeks or however long um and they would be very very popular and um of course like i said they were common in the midwest and that includes indiana um i have in you know very quick research here i didn't because i didn't this isn't a huge part of the show in terms of talking about which ones were in Indiana. Okay. Um, I'm sure there were more than this, but I could find at least four, um, or is it, no, five. Yeah, so there's one in Marum Bluff, um, if you guys don't know where that is. It's south of Terre Haute. uh, It's right on the Illinois border. It's very small. There's one in Fountain Park, Fountain Park, Chautauqua. It's in Remington, Indiana, which is uh, northwest of um, Lafayette, West Lafayette. Oh, okay. Yeah, been, I've been through Remington um, a couple times driving to Chicago from Lafayette and back and stuff. Yeah. But um, uh, that one is pretty cool because a lot of buildings are still there and it's oh. like a nice park and you guys, you, you can go and 
uh, see stuff and that's pretty cool. Trip. Yeah, or just look at the pictures even. It's nice. Uh, Chautauqua Wawasee, which is northeast of, or northwest of Fort Wayne on mm-hmm. Lake Wawasee. If you guys are from up here, you've heard of that. I heard of Lake Wawasee. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of this. Um, I think that one still has some stuff you can go visit too. And then there are two that we're going to talk about um, in a little bit more detail. And that is, first of all, the Madison Chautauqua. And okay. that's uh, Madison is in, in between Louisville and Cincinnati. Right oh. there, down there on the Ohio River. It's right on the oh. southern border of Indiana. Okay. Oh my God, those little towns on the on the Ohio River. Beautiful. They're so cute. Oh my God. Every single one of them is amazing, except for French Lick. French Lick can go fuck itself. That's very popular. I love every single part of Indiana except for French Lick. <laughs> I mean, I've heard a lot about it. I just can't. Sh- I can't stand the candy wine they make. I hate it. I don't think I've ever had it. It's ass. No, I, I'm fine with French Lick, but <laughs> I just hate that wine. Um, and I was like, I got to have like one thing that I hate in Indiana. Sure. Why not French Lick? Yeah. <laughs> that seems like a vulnerable thing. I don't know. Um, but yeah, the, the only thing I want to say about the Madison Chautauqua is that it really, um, it's not that it exists anymore, but they do have the Chautauqua Festival or oh, Madison cool. Chautauqua or whatever it's called now. And that is a like, I think a week long festival to celebrate uh, artists where they can come and sell their, their art and stuff like that and display it. And, you know, I'm sure there's music and beer and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. Sounds fun. Yeah. It sounds awesome. I would love to go. Um, and in one of my threads um, that I did on old newspapers, mm-hmm. if you guys uh, follow me on Twitter, um, also change my Twitter account. It is no longer at Split This Adam. It is now at Who's Your Tweety instead of Who's Your Daddy. Um, but anyway, I will still do that. And uh, one of the ones that I did had an article about this Madison Chautauqua. Mm-hmm. And that is how I learned about them. Because oh. I was like, what the hell does that mean? Yeah. And like they keep talking about it. So it must be kind of a big deal. And like one of the articles in the front page was about like these young kids keep sneaking in and won't shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> They're being too loud, laughing at stuff. <laughs> we used to do that at the movie theater all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty fun. Get thrown out. Yeah, and so that is where I heard about this and the other thing that we're going to be talking about today, which Ooh. I still have not told you. No. Yes, and the last one that I can confirm for 100% is uh, the Chautauqua at Winona Lake, right oh. by Warsaw. Oh, okay. Do you Not know Winona a, Lake? I've heard of it, but I've never been. Oh my gosh, it's gorgeous. And I also, mean, like Winona Ryder, beautiful actress. She is. I, I would the say- The lake's probably named after her, you it, know? It's not, but- um, <laughs> They, I know they are similar. She's named after the lake. Okay, I don't know if she might be from Indiana or something. Uh, similar in beauty, they are both beautiful th- things, people, things. You and know what I mean. Mostly made of water. Yeah, that's true. Humans are. Um, and Winona Lake, it hundred percent in terms of the lake. But I well, there's some fish in there. It's the village at Winona, Winona Lake, so like the area is called that too. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but anyway, it's a beautiful, beautiful area, and um, interesting because uh, I have been there a couple times in Glee Club, uh, Purdue. We performed there, um, I think, two of the three years that I was in Glee Club, hmm. um, and I'll talk about that a little bit too, a little bit. But anyway, Glee Club. No, We're... no, you'll see. Oh, okay, you'll see. okay, okay. Um, and also, like these Chautauquas, it seems like very often they are held in places near a bot- body of water. Hmm. Which is really weird. Like that a is. lot of them are on these beautiful little like well, maybe it's just scenic and old pretty and... lake towns. You know, hmm. it's interesting. It's yeah. I don't know if there was like an intention there. I mean, obviously the first one was yeah. The Chautauqua New York is right there in Lake Chautauqua. Yeah, but um, or Chautauqua Lake. I don't know if that was intentional, but a lot, lot if not all of the ones I think I looked at, maybe the um, it's very Remington Indiana one wasn't on a lake. I don't know. 
but it, I think it was. Anyway, I want to read a little bit about Winona Lake now. Okay. Because I thought this was very interesting, and it's a great introduction into the second thing that we're going to be talking about today. And they are, um, you know, separate entities that are definitely um, linked. Like, their relationships... Okay. There, they, there's a relationship between the Chautauqua and the second thing that we're going to be talking about. And the lake? You re- no, that you can't... Um, you can't really separate fully. Okay. You'll see. It, okay. It'll make sense. All it'll right. make sense. So I just want to tell a little bit about Winona Lake. So the turn of the century phenomenon known as Chautauqua was uniquely American in its blend of religion and entertainment, politics and culture in the uh, bucolic. Is that how you say that? I don't know how. It sounds right. Yeah, and the bucolic enjoyment provided by the booming railroad industry. The Winona Lake Chautauqua was no exception. The resort just south of Warsaw, Indiana, was eclectic from the start. On land near an Indian burial ground at what was then called Eagle Lake, the Bayer brothers purchased and plotted a 100-acre tract to set up a dairy farm in 1811. Hmm. Or no, I'm sorry, 1881. Oh, uh, the area's springs offered a natural refrigeration for their products. And cool. Bus- yeah, really cool. And their business flourished. As traffic to the area increased, Eagle Lake became a tourist destination. Spring Fountain Park, as it was uh, christened, boasted a roller coaster, uh, cycloramas, including both the life of Christ and Civil War battles, <laughs> a racetrack, and the Eagle Lake Hotel counted among Indiana's finest. Oh, <laughs> the amusement- fancy. Yeah, this was an amusement park. That's what. Uh, the amusement park, however, was only a preamble to the resort's golden age. In 1894, Presbyter- Presbyterian elder Dr. Solomon Dickey, great fucking name, oh, great name. Uh, purchased the property to serve as the grounds for the Winona Bible Conference and Summer School, which began the following summer. A fence with a turnstile was constructed around the town, an admission charged for the six-week season of education, entertainment, and recreation. And also, like, even back in this time, travel was so hard that everything was, like, six weeks long. Yeah. Like, if you were going to have an event, it had to be a month. Well, yeah. Because why the fuck would I ever travel this much to get there and not yeah. spend, do a whole month? I, yeah, it takes I can't you do, three weeks to yeah. get there. I you, mean, you, don't, you don't spend a weekend anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's interesting because I, you don't think about that now. You're like, okay, you have to be here at this time and then it's over. It's done. But then it was like, well, we kind of have to wait for like people to show up. Yeah. And, and you got to make it, make it last. So get the word out. Yeah, yeah. The Pennsylvania Railroad shuttled visitors to the resort until discontinuing service in 1902. The following year, the assembly's directors developed the Winona interurban electric line to fill in the breach. Oh yeah. The light rail service, uh, the light rail service eventually extended to Goshen in, uh, in the North and Peru in the South. So, you know, kind of all through Indiana there. Pretty cool. Right. Very cool. Um, at its height, the Chautauqua sustained five separate schools, three luxury, Three luxury hotels, steamboat cruises for 150 around the lake. Whoa! And an, yeah, and an, uh, and an annual Venetian night with decorated Ooh. boats on the canals, like gondolas. Yeah, all kinds of cool stuff. Um, attendance peaked at 250,000 visitors a season. That's crazy. Um, that, yeah, <laughs> like the 1890s and early 1900s. That sounds fun. Uh, famed order William Jennings Jennings Bryan uh, not only included Winona on his circus. Uh, on his circus on his circuit <laughs> uh, but served as the assembly's president for two years humorist will rogers graced the stage of the winona chautauqua as did arctic explorer uh, explorer admiral richard e bird opera star amelia uh, amelia amelita amelita golly cursey sorry about that yeah italian <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming and um Violin virtuoso Ephraim Zimbalist. Mm. Uh, ketchup magnet H.J. Hines. Ketchup magnet. H.J. Uh, Hines directed the assembly. He's got that ketchup money. Yeah. <laughs> he directed the assembly at one point, and uh, John M. Studebaker, the carriage and automo- automobile manufacturer, yeah. um, did so at another point. So, like, 
This was big shit. It <laughs> sounds very cool. Those are like uh, big names. Oh, William yeah. Jennings Bryan, I Will Rogers, H.J. Hines, uh, Studebaker. It's popping. That's crazy. Notice how I didn't read the Italian name again. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the last name or the last line in in here is a great lead-in into the next thing that we're going to be talking about. So, a name synonymous with Winona Lake is Billy Sunday, the nation's first celebrity evangelist who made his home there from the turn of the century until his death in 1935. Reminds me of Baby Billy from uh, The Righteous Gemstones. Oh, I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good show. Everybody should watch but, that. Yeah. It's a great show. So funny. Um, have you ever heard of Billy Sunday? Jenna? I have not, but he sounds like a bit of a grifter. Mm. Sounds like he's full of shit, but I could be wrong. He might we, just be a great orator. We will see. We will see. Um, so yes, Billy Sunday, like I'll just read this line again. He, he was the nation's first celebrity evangelist, which to me just kind of alarm bells start ringing. I'm like, hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's that is a fair thing. I, I mean, some people say he's like a predecessor to Billy Graham and Jerry Falwell. So don't know either of those people. You, really? No. You don't know Billy Graham? If I if I showed you a picture of Billy Graham, you'd know who Billy Graham is. Sure, you might. I I mean, I no. might. Yeah, you might. <laughs> no, yeah, you would definitely know. Okay. You would recognize his face. Uh, Jerry Fal- Falwell, probably not, but you might see Jerry Falwell Jr.'s name in um the news now. Hmm. It's crazy. This shit doesn't change, but um. <laughs> Now let's talk about Billy Sunday. Okay. So Billy Sunday, uh, he was born in Ames, Iowa in 1862. And so this is very interesting too. So when I was researching this, I noticed that there's two connections to my two best friends in college, Praneet and John. Oh, really? Yeah. Hilariously, it connects to both of them. And this first one is that Billy Sunday was born in Ames, Iowa. That's where Praneet's from. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, in 1862. So shortly uh, before his birth, his father enlisted in the Union Army and four months later died of pneumonia. And that was just five weeks after Billy was born. So Aww. he never really had a dad. Um, at the age of 10, he and one of his older brothers were sent to an orphan home in Glenwood, Iowa. Which due to- are not nice places <clears throat> normally. Yeah, no, this was okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In Glenwood, Iowa, due to his mother's abject poverty. I mean, it, it, from what I read, it, you know, maybe there is some bad shit. I mean, that growing up in too. poverty probably isn't great in general, but... Oh, yeah. You know, at least they weren't being like abused or. No, no, no. I mean, that's why she sent them because she was like, I can't. I just can't. You know, I can't no, provide I meant for abused you. Abused at the orphanage. Oh, yeah. I don't I don't think he was. Okay. Um, it, it was at the orphanage where he learned discipline, got a decent education and fully realized his superior athletic skills. He was very, very, Ooh. very talented. What was athlete. his what was his sport? Do you know? Um, baseball and running. Ooh. So, you know, sprinting and stuff like that. Running is yeah, not you know. a sport, but. Running is a 100% a sport. <laughs> you put it into a sport. We're not going to get into this. Cross country is a sport. I'm just saying running by yourself is not a sport. Like if you were to just go run on your own. I would disagree. All right. Continue your story. Sir. It might not be a competition sport, but it's, it is sport. All right. All right. Um, this podcast is over. <laughs> <laughs> so um, as he got older, he moved around even more and he worked odd jobs that were mostly physical in nature due to his le- his athleticism. In 1880, at the age of 18, he found himself in Marshalltown, Iowa. Uh, and there he was competing on the fire brigade team and playing for the city's baseball team. Ooh. And yeah. So like to think about this too now at, at this time period, baseball is incredibly popular. Mm-hmm. You know, it is... It, yeah very popular. oh yeah that's all i need to say um so like every small town had a baseball team like a city baseball team yeah and they would travel around and go play other teams yeah, on like people want stuff to weekends. do they want to watch they want to play yeah i want more of that back but anyway um three years later so that was in 1880 three years after that he was signed by the chicago white stockings and they were at that point they're <laughs> the defending national league champions interesting 
So he became a uh, a, a professional baseball player. Um, you know, all in all, Sunday was an average player with an above average uh, with above average athleticism and speed, uh, which resulted in a seven year major league career. Whoa, um, a, a fairly decent notoriety. He was yeah. a, he was a popular player. Um, in eight uh, from eighteen eighty three to eighteen ninety, uh, he was. A, or well, that was a very formative time in mm-hmm. his life. So not only did he start and end his major league baseball career, that was the seven years that he played. Mm-hmm. He also got married. Oh, and converted to Christi- uh Christianity, became oh. a Christian. He wasn't before. No, not really anything. Oh, okay. Yes, uh, and it, so in that seven-year period, all of that happened. So let's talk a little bit about his conversion okay. to Christianity. So on a Sunday afternoon in Chicago during either the 1886 or 1887 baseball season, uh, Sunday and several of his teammates were out of town or out on the town on their day off. Mm-hmm. At one street corner, they stopped to listen to a gospel preaching team from the Pacific Garden Mission. Attracted by the hymns he had heard his mother sing, Sunday began uh, began attending services at the mission. After talking with a former uh, society matron who worked there, Sunday, uh, after some struggle on his part, decided to become a Christian. Although he socialized with his teammates and sometimes gambled, Sunday was never a heavy drinker. Mm -hmm. In his autobiography, he said, I never drank much. I was never drunk but four times in my life. I used used to go to the saloons with the baseball players, and while they were drinking highballs and gin fizzes and beer, I would take a lemonade. (laughs) Real fancy boy. Kind of straight edge. Yeah, kind of a kind of a dork. Um, <laughs> not to say that that's bad, but it's a little dorky. I mean, it's fine. Just don't brag about it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Just yeah, I don't care. Do whatever you want. Whatever. whatever. Yeah, and I don't mean dorky in a bad way. That's all I want to say. Mm. So like, I'm dorky in some ways too. I like lemonade too. Well, I love lemonade, but put some vodka in there. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, following his con- uh, his conversion, Sunday denou- denounced drinking. Uh, he also denounced swearing and gambling. Well, and, and dancing. What? Um, yeah. Well, Kind of talk about that. Uh, and he changed his behavior, which was recognized by both teammates and fans. They're probably like, wow, you're super boring now. Yeah. Shortly thereafter, uh, shortly thereafter, Sunday began speaking in churches and at YMCA. So the YMCA was really popular at this time, yeah. too. Uh, and that's kind of how he got into this. YMCA. Yeah. It was much earlier than the song. Oh. This was before the song. Oh, are you sure? Yes, way before the song. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic, I know. I know, yeah. <laughs> but let's talk about his marriage for a second. So this is kind of happening marriage? concurrently. Okay. Happening concurrently. So in 1886, Sunday was introduced at Jefferson Park Presbyterian Church to Helen Amelia Nell Thompson. Nell was her nickname. Hmm. Um, daughter of the owner of one of Chicago's largest dairy pro- uh, producers. Oh, she got that milk money. Yeah, got that milk money. I don't know about the milk bags. Who knows? Well, uh, let's not talk about her breast. She's dead. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't see her die. Maybe she's still alive. Continue. Sorry about my weird boob joke. Okay. Um, although Sunday was immediately smitten with her, both had serious ongoing relationships that bordered on engagements. Um, oh, wow. So you just cheated on your girlfriend? No. No. Oh. No. They just liked each other. Emotionally, they cheated. No. It is not. <laughs> it is totally okay to be in a relationship and meet somebody and be like... Man, I really like them. And then, but understand that you're in a relationship and just be an adult and be like, yeah, can't happen. And I don't want it to happen. Hmm. I think you can do that. I would say. Let's go on a little tangent here. I would say if you feel that way, you should probably just leave. What do you mean? Leave what? Leave the current relationship you're in. If you have feelings for somebody else, then pursue that. But (laughs) having feelings for somebody else, like having just like a natural, like, you know, like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like this person is, is. You know, very beautiful and and mm-hmm. f- so fun to be around. I love I love hanging out with him. Mm-hmm. 
I don't like just because you have that feeling doesn't mean that you can't have that feeling for the person that you're with. No, I'm not saying that, but like maybe that's a sign that you should like pursue other things if you feel that way. Why? Why can't you have like if that just happens naturally, what what's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with it, but I'm It's exactly what happened when you first met <laughs> and it yeah. still happens every day. Right. But I feel like if this is just my opinion, if you are like very much smitten with the person you're with you probably aren't really gonna have that type of feeling or at least not strongly enough for to for you to even like think about it so if you do feel that way maybe it's a sign that you should kind of dive into that a little bit and see you know maybe maybe this means I should pursue this person instead I I guess I see where you're coming from but I I think I I disagree on uh, your interpretation Hmm. i don't know it's interesting my point is if you have to like consider it as a possibility you should just just do it because i don't yeah the point of even considering it is i will say that if you consider it then then, it's like then you should just do it yeah then just leave yes i agree with you on that i agree with you on that but i just i don't mean that i mean where you're just like you have that initial feeling and then we can be physically attracted to somebody sure i mean you can't really help that Oh, I don't think you can uh, help being emotionally attracted to somebody either. No. Like, I don't believe that in any way. No, I I mean, I don't think that. You don't agree with me? No, I'm saying I do agree with you. Like, I don't think you can help it. Yeah. Okay. This is, that's interesting. I just wanted to go on that tangent a little bit. Hey, what do you guys think? Let us know. But I'm saying if I knew that about my senior other, I would be like, yeah, get the fuck out. Okay. So like (laughs) if I start my, uh, start teaching and you know, I work with another, um, Let's say there's a, um, I don't know, an art teacher mm-hmm. who I become friends with and, I, you know, I think she's really, really cool. Mm-hmm. And I have like that fleeting thought mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, no, that's stupid. I don't, I don't, I'm not even, I wouldn't, I don't even want that. I'm so happy with Jenna. But it's just like a weird thing that you think about for one second and you're like, stop. You know, it just kind of enters your mind. Mm-hmm. I, you would be like, leave. You would just tell me to leave. I don't know. I can't say definitively one way or the other. Interesting. That's very, okay. (laughs) Okay, let's get back to this. Yeah, let us know what you guys think about that, about the idea of like having that feeling and stuff. I don't know, just a little tangent. sure. It's a Sunday episode. We can go as long as we want. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, they they were both in relationships that were bordered on engagement. So Mm -hmm. furthermore, Nell Thompson had grown to maturity in uh, in a much more privileged environment than had Sunday. Sure. And her father strongly discouraged the courtship, viewing all professional baseball players as, quote, transient 'er ne'er-do-wells who were unstable and destined to be misfits once they were too old to play. Mm. Um, Which is interesting. Yeah. He's correct if, you know, they're talking about somebody like Aubrey Huff, but other people are just fine. Um, He's like a, a... Big old Trump racist. Oh, okay. He's well, he's a Nazi. He's a fascist. I don't know who that is, but yeah, but he was a baseball player too. Okay, real, really not a great one either. Um, nevertheless, Sunday pursued and eventually married her. On several occasions, Sunday said, "Quote: She was a Presbyterian, so I am a Presbyterian. Mm. Had she been a Catholic, I would have been a Catholic because because I was hot on the trail of Nell." Mrs. Thompson had liked Sunday from the start and weighed uh, in on his side, and Mr. Thompson finally relented. The couple was married on September 5th, 1888. So what did you, like, I got a little bit of something there. (laughs) What do you mean? Because, I mean, had we not gone on that uh, little tangent, which I'm glad we did, uh, you might have remembered, and it might have been easier to 
follow that I was like this, his conversion and his, um, beginning of his courtship of Nell happened in the same time. They they were concurrent. Yeah. And it kind of seems a little bit to me like he, uh, and also like, remember after some struggle on his part to become a Christian, I think that he was like, I want to, I want to marry this girl. (laughs) So I'll just become a Christian. That's like, he just said that he literally said that. No, no. He was saying whatever sect of Christianity she was, I would have gone, gone to. Yeah, which is the same thing as him saying that he would be Christian if she was. Somewhat, but no, no, it's not. Anyway, no, he it's, did it's wh- not. It's I- not though, Jenna, because he didn't say if she was Jewish, I would have been Jewish. If she he, she was Muslim I w- or Muslim, I would have been Muslim. He didn't say that. That's different. Okay. That is definitively different. Okay. But but I but your reading is that I, you, we agree on the reading of that I sure. agree I agree that that's what is yeah, basically yeah. what happened, which is just interesting, mm-hmm. you know, because this um, conversion becomes a very big part of his life because uh, he becomes a a very very successful evangelist evangelical preacher. Did, I mean, we have talked about that, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we did. <laughs> Look, I put this together and I'm still like, where are we? <laughs> and I'm looking right at it. Yes. Uh, he's a celebrity evan- evangelist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about so, that. But it's just so funny that like it maybe kind of probably just started because he was like, yeah, I want to fuck that girl. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Which, hey. Which is that's kind the of way the motivation of behind most things that men do. Yes. And women. I mean, sex is a big part of all of Sure. Life, and so is um, uh, food, just like you know, normal animalistic Mm -hmm. things do influence things. I mean, I'm not going to say that we're all like you know we don't have free will or whatever, but you know, it it plays a part. Um, Anyway, (laughs) so let's talk about his preaching career. Okay. So in 1896, Sunday started preaching on his own. So he was born in 1862. So what he would have been 34 at this point. and his baseball career ended in 1890 mm-hmm. when he was, what, 28? Did I do the math right? Yeah. So in 1896, Sunday started preaching on his own, largely in the Midwest. Over the years, Sunday became more popular, using his baseball career as a way to market his evangelical uh, you know, preacher career. In these years, he dubbed his traveling sermon the Kerosene Circuit, because unlike his town of Chicago, most of these cities and towns did not have electricity, mm. which is pretty interesting to think about. The fact that electricity is like a hundred years old. <laughs> I mean, we don't even think about it. We don't ever fucking talk about it. Isn't no, that crazy? I had to like, like take, yeah. I had to like sit with that for a while. I was yeah. like, 120 years ago, towns didn't have electricity. Yeah. And there was probably a time how? when people were like, I don't know how I feel about this whole new electricity thing. Oh, you know, for a fact, there were people who were like, it's going to fry your brain. Yeah. Or yeah. like, it's going to. Um, we're just, we don't want it. We don't like it. Whatever. It's of the devil. Yeah. It, the same 5G shit. It's oh, like, of course. That's what, I, I think that's what you were drawing parallels to. Yeah. Uh, well, there are, I mean, are, there are a lot of things you could compare with yeah, the same yeah. narrative. Like so. 4G and 3G before <laughs> that. <laughs> um, they got to change it. If, if, if it's 6G, I'm leaving America. <laughs> Although it's everywhere, so I don't really know what that would do. Um, when Sunday began, attra- uh, began to attract crowds larger than he could accommodate. Uh, could- wow. Larger than he could accommodate. Nope, nope, not no? even that. There's always one time, an episode, where I just fail to be able to read. It's I'm not confident that I know how to read. 
<laughs> so when Sunday began to attract crowds larger than could be accommodated in rural churches or town halls, he pitched uh, he pitched rented canvas tents. So mm-hmm. he would start to get these yeah. tents and, and, and put them up. So Sunday did much of the physical physical work of putting them up himself, uh, manipulating ropes during storms and seeing to their security by sleeping in them at night. Not until 1905 was he well off enough to hire his own advance man, um, an advance team, really. So um, in 1906, um, he was in Salida, Colorado, and there was a, a snowstorm. It was it's in October, so, mm-hmm. you know, must be somewhere near a mountain. Not a lot of snow in October. <laughs> uh, destroyed, and it destroyed his tent. Aww. So it was a special disaster because revivalists were typically paid with a free will offering at the end of their meetings. So that's how they made their money. So if your tent falls down, you can't have your meeting. Yeah. You just waste a lot of money. Um, sorry if I'm really nasally. I feel really up in my mask. Yeah, you and me both. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, thereafter, he insisted that towns build him temporary wooden tabernacles at their expense. <laughs> like a shack? Not like a shack. Like a massive meeting hall. Oh. Made out of wood. Wow. And quickly So he was like, hey, can risen. you just like do this thing for me? <laughs> yeah. It, it's a, it's a decent ask. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the tabernacles were comparatively, uh, uh, yeah, comparatively costly to build, although mm-hmm. most of the uh, lumber could be salvaged and resold at the end of the meetings, and locals had to put up the money for them in advance. This change in Sunday's operation began to push the finances of the campaign to the fore. At least at first, raising tabernac- tabernacles provided good public relations for the coming meetings as townspeople joined together in what was effectively a giant barn raising. Oh, yeah, okay. Work together, everyone comes out, comes sure. together. Hey, Someone why are, do. Why are we doing this? Yeah. Hey, Billy Sunday is coming to town. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I imagine that's the sound they made. I uh, thought that sounded pretty funny. I think funny. that was, that was, yeah. That was I'm going to, when I'm ed- editing this, I'm going to laugh at that. I know. And then I'll envision the face that you made, which was just like, uh, disappointment. Um, Sunday built rapport by participating in the process. And the tabernacles were also a status symbol because they had previously been built only for major event. Oh, okay. Uh, evangelists. So it's evangelical. Evangelist. <laughs> a lot of different pronunciations in the English language. Words and things. Words and things. We got words and things. Hey, welcome to Words and Things. Okay, we're recording and I need to be a little bit more serious. So, <laughs> 11 years into Sunday's evangel- uh, evangelist career, there it is again, uh, both he and his wife had been pushed to their emotional limit. Um, long, um, okay, you're, you're going to get into it. Yeah. Long separations, uh, had exacerbated his natural feelings of inadequacy and insecurity as a product of a childhood that could well be described as a series of losses. He was extremely dependent on his mother's love and encouragement for her part. Nell found it increasingly difficult to handle household responsibilities, the needs of four children, including a newborn and the long distance, uh, emotional welfare of her husband. Well, yeah, that's tough. It is very hard. It's be yeah. Very, taxing. very, very hard. So at this point, what would you think might happen um, when you're, if you were reading this yeah. or hearing me, you know, say this? What do you think the next couple sentences might say? I think he'd probably they'd probably be separated. They could they could have like an unofficial separation. Or... Uh, well, he's super super against divorce, so I'll yeah. say that. So yeah, that, so that's they not would just happen. be like, okay, no, we're no, gonna no, stay married. No, and... no, 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 that wouldn't happen even um, nominally. It it would never happen. He does not believe that. Like he, he believes fully that's, this is a belief of his and we're really not even going to get into his beliefs too, too much, but, um, fully that like, if you are a man and you leave your wife, you will go to hell forever. Oh, okay. So you should just stick around and be unhappy. 
<laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I agree. His idea is stupid. Well, but yeah, okay. with that in mind, what do you think might be their response? Because they're both coming to this point and they're like, this is really hard on us and I want to be there with you. And like, you want to be here with me and we want to provide they're for They're like, kids. let's just travel around in a big old wagon together. I thought maybe that. I thought maybe yeah. let's bring you and everyone together yeah. and it'll be all of us together and we can like teach them or homeschool them or yeah. bring a tutor with us or whatever. Sure. But instead, um, his ministry was also expanding and he needed an, a, needed an administrator, a job for which his wife was ideally suited. In 1908, the Sundays decided to entrust their children to a nanny so that the, uh, Nell could manage the revival campaigns. And I just personally thought that was so funny that they were like, yeah, this kind of sucks. And it's, and it's like, I don't ever get to see you and I love you. Right. So let's do more work. And it's really hard for us to like, you know, raise our kids and for me to raise the kids when mm-hmm. you're out. Yeah. So let's just leave our fucking kids with somebody else yeah. and go make a fuck ton of money on our own. <laughs> and also like, we're not going to talk about this too much, but I don't know if this is what caused it, but his kids did have like pretty troubled lives. Um, one of them committed suicide when he was in his thirties. That's really sad. Another one was, um, you know, I don't, you know, became a criminal. I, mm-hmm. that, that's not how I would really c- categorize it, but it's just lack well, of a better phrase. Well, could it phrase. be like the lack of parenting? That's what I mean. I Like, I think that... Like, a, a nanny probably is not the best. I mean, I'm sure they're fine, but well, they're not no, a parent. The, the nanny is probably great, but it's not your mom and dad. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's not um, like his, their parent, mom and dad weren't there. They were just over in another state doing something else, right. making a fuck ton of money. Yeah. And I'm just here alone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So Nell Sunday. So yeah, now, now Nell is, uh, she's managing his whole thing, mm-hmm. these campaigns and these things. And she's pretty fucking good at it. Yeah. Um, people, her, she's referenced as ma or, you know, mother sometimes, but mm-hmm. really ma, yeah. uh, ma Sunday. Yeah. Um, and that's how another, Another reason why I was like, I got to look into these people because that's how it was referenced in that old 1920s Richmond, Indiana newspaper oh, that I was okay. reading. Okay. That does sound weird. It sounds kind of yeah. creepy. Ma Sunday. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. And then I was like, oh, okay, it's his wife from Bobo. Yeah. So Nell Sunday transformed her husband's out of the back pocket organization into a nationally renowned phenomenon. Hmm. New personnel were hired and by the New York campaign. So they call these the campaigns because, mm-hmm. because again, they, they were literally like four to six week long yeah. uh, campaigns. They, yeah. they, when he went to a city, yeah. it was for a month at least. Yeah. And every day multiple times a day yeah. preaching these He's just out there these very like and i i haven't mentioned this because i it's interesting but it's not really uh what i want to talk about mm-hmm. um too too much but uh his his style like one of the reasons why he was so popular mm-hmm. like he became he started out and like got popular because he could use his baseball career as a sure. way to market himself yeah, he but he was that incredibly physical on stage so Mm. he would slide across the stage and jump into the crowd and break chairs and and yeah like you know get very loud and stuff like that he was very very athletic so he would do these kind of very athletic things and he was very um kind of colloquial with Mm -hmm. his language he would say things that uh other preachers and there's a lot of writing from other preachers who would be like uh yes it's disgusting what this man is saying Oh. It's absolutely disgusting. Huh. Like I believe that he is a good Christian man in, in his beliefs, but the way that he prevents presents himself is is abhorrent and things like that. Interesting. Yeah, and like there are stories in old newspapers that I had read along with uh, the one that I was talking about in the Richmond Indiana mm-hmm. newspaper. I think it was the Palladium or whatever. Yeah. Um, who in 1922 did a huge 
uh, expose and had an insert for the like every day he was there for like six, four weeks or whatever. They had an insert in the newspaper that was just about that. That's how big this guy was. Jeez. I yeah. mean, at some point you're like, don't you run out of things to talk about? Well, they just covered like his speeches. They'd, they'd post the whole... Uh, but him too, I mean. like Oh, what? I know. You're like, what? shut the fuck up. I mean, the Bible's a big book, whatever. But. Well, th- remember at this point, there's no radio or anything. That's no, true. No cars weren't really around in the so way they were later. So you probably maybe could repeat a little bit from day to day or... Well, and it's still just something to go do. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? that's true. It's something. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, so that's uh, kind of why he was able to get... One of the reasons why he was so big is that mm-hmm. he was a, he was a show. Yeah, he was a show. Yeah, but I was gonna say yeah. Some of the writings in, in these newspapers, they were like, four men fainted today at Billy Sunday's. Oh, oh my because lord! Because he talk about these like kind of graphic ideas and thoughts. Like what? I don't know. They never print them, so I just I can never find it. <laughs> I I tried. I tried. I was like, I can't Mary's find it. Mary's pussy. I, 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 no, I don't think it's like that. But I found like multiple instances of people criticizing what he was saying and being like, I cannot. I shall not. I will not. Repeat what he said, and I'm like, I need to know what he said. Please tell me. He was what like, he said. "Hey, women should have equal rights to men," and they were like, "Oh well, my god!" Here's the thing: it, it, as much as, I, well, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Keep that keep that thought in mind. Sure. And for the love of God, I need to get you a notebook to, to have while we're here, so you can write some notes. Yeah. Uh, I keep forgetting to do that. That's my. Oh, that's on me. Um, you're gonna write a note on your phone right now? No. No, not even. <laughs> don't care that much. Uh, so anyway. Nell, I'm just going to go back a little bit. Nell transformed her husband's out of the pocket, out of the back pocket organization into a, a, a national phenomenon. Uh, new personnel were hired, and by the New York campaign of 1917, the Sundays had a paid staff of 26. Hmm. Crazy, yeah, pretty big staff. Yeah, I can't imagine that. There were musicians, custodians, uh, and advanced men, but the Sundays also hired Bible teachers of both sexes who, among other responsibilities, held daytime meetings at schools and shops and encouraged their audiences to attend the, ta- uh, the main tabernacle services in the evenings. <laughs> the most significant of these new staff members, well, blah, 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 it's these people. It's two guys who were like really good. It's a guy and a girl who were great song leaders and like speakers, and, mm-hmm. and they did great duets, and he recruited the dudes, and she recruited the gals and yeah, blah. I don't need to get into their <laughs> names. Um, but th- this whole operation was incredibly successful. Oh, I'm sure. Incredibly successful. Yeah. And like I said, he spoke at many of these Chautauquas. Mm-hmm. That's how these two things are interrelated. Right. In Indiana, he spoke uh, and he, he owned the home at, mm-hmm. in Winona Lake. So you yeah. know for a fact he was at these Winona Lake ones. Oh, absolutely. He uh, extensive at this Richmond uh um, Chautauqua mm-hmm. um, and so much so that they had you know a newspaper insert solely about him and actually I don't know for a, f- a fact off the top of my head that that was the Chautauqua one mm-hmm. but I do know from previous um, articles at least in 1920 he mm-hmm. was at the Richmond uh, Chautauqua yeah so Richmond yeah it was Richmond or you said Richmond uh, I think it was the Madison Chautauqua uh, Richmond newspaper was reporting on it because they're right there Maybe I'm wrong there. Whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you, get, you get what I'm I, saying. Yes, I do understand. The, the, the specifics there, I guess, are important, but in term, if you're interested in looking this up. but So if you are, send me an email and I'll figure it out and tell you. Um, but let's talk about the success. Let's okay. talk about like monetarily how much success there I'm, was. I mean, I'm assuming it was and, insane. And like size of crowds and stuff. So yeah. large crowds in an, in, in, 
Large crowds and an efficient organization meant that Sunday, the former resident of an orphan home, was soon netting hefty offerings. The first questions about Sunday's income were apparently raised during the Columbus, Ohio campaign at the turn of 1912-1913. During the Pittsburgh campaign a year later, Sunday spoke four times per day and effectively made $217 per sermon, or $870 a day at a time when the average gainfully employed worker made $836 per year. What? That $870 a day in in 1914 is effectively $22,000 in 2019. Whoa. I mean, we know that these these kind of things make a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah, he's Jim Baker. (laughs) You do it well. Yeah. Yeah. The major cities of Chicago, Philadelphia, Baltimore, Boston, and New York City gave Sunday even larger offerings. Sunday donated Chicago's offering of $58,000 to Pacific Garden Mission, where he first, you know, got introduced to these things. And uh, the $120,500 New York offering, uh, he gave that to war charities. So so he did did donate some of these things. Also, he was like an ardent supporter of World War I. He was... Very into World War One. He was also very interesting, um, uniquely influential, and one of the large reasons that Prohibition got cost it got passed in the United States. Really, he was a, an incredible advocate for he was like, Prohibition. Everyone needs to drink lemonade. He did not believe, like he dropped any idea of drinking and thought it was the most abhorrent thing in the entire world. And without him, uh, Prohibition might not have been passed. Well, hmm. that, that that yeah, I think that that is agreed upon by many. Don't know if that's scholars. a good thing. Eh. It's not. Yeah. Um, where am I? So nevertheless, between 1908 and 1920, the Sundays earned over a million dollars. Damn. An average worker during the same period earned less than 14000 Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. $1 million uh, in 1920 is the equivalent to $13 million now. But I think the, drastic, uh, the more drastic statistic is the idea that in in a little in twelve years, they made probably well over a million dollars, and the average worker made less than fourteen thousand dollars in that yeah. twelve year period. I mean, at least he did donate some of it, but you have to kind of wonder at what point is it like too much money? Yeah, and like, yeah. do you really need that much? Well, and part of these sermons, if you guys go look these up, there's always a decent part of them that are like, you need to support this cause by by offering your will. In dollars. I don't like that. Yeah, he's a grifter. I don't like that, yeah. It's Alex Jones. Yeah. It's blah, 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 and here's how you support the info Oh, war. you're poor? Give me your money. Well, it doesn't matter even if you're poor, well, but yeah. Well, I'm just saying they probably didn't need to be spending their money on that. Yeah, so like I said, how, how big is this guy? The Tabernacle? Again, they No, would, he sounds like somebody that I would not want to talk to at a party. No. Like, I don't want to hang out with this dude. No, not at all. Not at all. No. You'd be like, nice I hair. I kind of want to punch him in the face. You'd be like, nice hair, man. What's your name? And you'd be like, I'm Billy. And he'd be like, cool, what do you do? And you'd be like, I'm going to leave. <laughs> um, so, yeah. How big was he? The tabernacle that they built in New York, I New York City? I tackle box every time you say that. I'm like, tabernacle is like a normal word in, Christi- in Catholicism. So Well... It's interesting. News to me. No, it's just interesting because like I hear tabernacle and I'm like, that's where they put the leftover Jesus. <laughs> it's where they put all their fish hooks. No, but actually that is what they do. Like the tabernacle is where if you don't use all of the communion in the Catholic church, uh-huh. you put it in the tabernacle. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I think that's right. Oh, I might be fucking that up with another You're term. You're the one with the Catholic school. I, I hope I'm not fucking that up with another term. I might be. Whoops. If I am, um, I don't know. <laughs> Deal with it. Yeah, deal with it. Don't don't even. You can tell me, but I just won't care. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I am gonna look it up though. Anyway, uh, the, the the one that they built in New York, it held eighteen thousand people. 
<laughs> That's fucking crazy. Yeah, it's like an arena. It's, yeah. It was huge. It was massive. There's a picture of it. It's huge. Um, in six weeks, in little town Richmond, Indiana, in 1922, he made the equivalent of $166,000. What the hell? In I mean, six weeks, $166,000 today. Do you guys realize how much? Like, that's, that's crazy. Insane. The amount of, like, spending power that you would have back then. Or now. Well, yes. I mean, this but, is why people say he was a, a, a predecessor of, of um, you know, Billy Graham, Jerry Falwell, mm-hmm. these Jim Baker. Yeah. Um, and I'll read a little bit here, too. But I did want to say one other thing is that on multiple occasions, he received donations from the Ku Klux Klan. Oh, and he accepted them? And he accepted them. Right. Uh, it, with little to no pushback. Yeah, well, I would assume. I, there was this one Once article. Once you start making money, you're like, meh. That, uh, you know, from, you know, 1922 or whatever that talked about this. And I think it was at the, I, I uh, almost 100% positive. No, I am 100% positive. It was at this Richmond, mm-hmm. um, you know, campaign or whatever, mm-hmm. where the Ku, Ku Klux Klan, like, marched in 12 members in white hoods and presented him with, like, a letter and $50 and then, like, marched out. Wow. I have to kind of wonder what he was saying that they were like, yeah, we like this guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah worries well, me a bit. It is worth noting somewhat that this was the second um, incarnation of the of the KKK that was slightly but not really that much different than the first one mm, in terms okay. of it was um, veiled and at least and in some cases a little bit um, caused by an appreciation of that Christianity. Mm hmm patriotic sure. nationalism yeah like i would say christian uh christian nationalism mm-hmm. was like a big part of it yeah also racism yes <laughs> like you can't separate them. yeah you can't separate them. so um and he didn't speak out very much about this well like yeah he i, I was wouldn't like, see him caring that much he was kind of basically said if they want to support my cause it's fine i don't really care what they do yeah um you know, if I it basically like if I if I sat and judged the moral character of every single person who gave me a dollar. Yeah. You know, I would never be able to help anybody. <laughs> I'd never be able to revive anybody. Yeah. And you're mm-hmm. like, well, fuck face. You don't have to do that with everybody. But you do the KKK. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because they came in and they're white robes and hoods. And it's very easy to say, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> you don't stand for anything that I stand for. Yeah. Or at least like donate the money or something. Yeah. Or yeah. That's even better. Yeah. Thanks. Give it to somebody who's against them. No. Yeah. Instead, he kind of just accepted that and was fine with well, that. So, okay. again, I'm not saying that he was a racist or that, because I don't think he really was. But well, my he point, was more apathetic. My, yeah, my point, yes. But even further, I think it illustrates the fact that he was very into the money. Well, yes. And I don't believe that he didn't believe these things, but I do believe that at some point it really just became about making money. Well, yeah. Yeah. So let me read this. So okay. I, I I asked myself, was he a grifter? Um, was he just a pers- uh, a precursor to Billy Graham and Jim Baker and people mm-hmm. like that? Um, yeah, kind of. Uh, it does seem like maybe he actually believed this shit more than they do. Hmm. And at the end of the day, his sermons were more like theatrics and vaudeville, uh, things people paid to see at the time, you know, mm-hmm. th- that did cost money and people went to. Yeah. Whereas people like Jim Baker are explicitly trying to sell you something other than just themselves or their preaching. Right. You know, food buckets. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think this probably started out in an earnest way, but was quickly seen as a way to pull in cash. Mm-hmm. I should note that he did donate a lot of it as well. Yeah. The picture is a little unclear, so I will leave you with a poem about Billy Sunday by Carl Sandburg. Do you okay. know who that is? I don't. He was a very, very popular, multi-pul- multi-time Pulitzer Prize winning um, poet and author. Oh, well, I'm surprised I don't. 
no, and um, same, so. you know, very. He's from the Midwest, from okay. from Illinois. Um, kind of a people's poet, oh, very okay. average kind of I'll person. Also look into him. Very, very great. And that is the um, second relation to my friends from college. First one was Puni. Mm-hmm. Billy Sunday was from Ames, Iowa, born yeah. there. Carl Sandberg, uh, from you know Illinois, Chicago area, uh, wrote the poem Chicago, which is amazing. Um, and my friend John went to Sandberg High School. Oh. Because uh, the district that he's in, all of them are named after authors and poets and things. So, That's really cool. Yes. So small world after Carl Sandburg. Yep. Amazing. So I'm sure I probably actually read his work. Now that you say Chicago, I'm sure you have. I think I have. Oh, I'm almost 100 percent. You read. I just you, have read you, a lot of stuff in my time. Yeah. So. That's a, like super super popular. Yeah. But anyway, um, he wrote this poem um, about Billy Sunday mm-hmm. that I think sums up how I feel. Mm-hmm. You come along. It's called. Uh, I should read the read the title. Oh yeah, that's important. Uh, to a uh, to a contemporary bunk shooter, <laughs> and bunk shooter, um, as like far as I understand it, is basically bullshitter. Ooh, um, bunk new shooter, word. new bullshitter. word. I'm gonna use that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you come along tearing your shirt, yelling about Jesus. Where do you get that stuff? What do you know about Jesus? Jesus had a way of talking soft, and outside of a few bankers and higher-ups among the con men of Jerusalem, everybody liked to have Jesus around, because he never made any fake passes, and everything he said went, and he helped the sick and gave the people hope. Mm -hmm. You come along squirting words at us, shaking uh, your fist and calling us damn fools, so fierce the froth slobbers over your lips, always blabbing we're all going to hell straight off, and you know all about it. I've read Jesus's words. I know what he said. You don't throw any scare into me. I've got your number. I know uh, how much you know about Jesus. He never came near clean people or dirty people, but they felt cleaner because he came along. Mm -hmm. It was your crowd of bankers and businessmen and lawyers hired the sluggers and murderers who put Jesus out of the running. I say the same bunch backing you nailed the nails into the hands of this Jesus of Nazareth. Mm-hmm. He had lined uh, he had lined up against him the same crooks and strong arm men now lined up with you paying your way. This Jesus was good to look at, smelled good, listened good. He threw out something fresh and beautiful from the skin of his body and the touch of his hands wherever he passed along. You slimy bunk shooter, you put a smut on every human blossom in reach of your rotten breath, belching about hellfire and hiccuping about this man who lived a clean life in Galilee. When are you going to quit making the carpenters build emergency hospitals for women and girls driven crazy with wrecked nerves from your gibberish about Jesus? I put it to you again. Where do you get that stuff? What do you know about Jesus? Go ahead and bust all the chairs you want to. Smash a whole wagon load of furniture at every performance. Turn 60 somersaults and stand on your nutty head. If it wasn't for the way you scare the women and kids, I'd feel sorry for you and pass the hat. I like to watch a good uh, four-flusher work, but not when he starts Uh, people puking and calling for the doctors i like a man that's got nerve and can pull off a great original performance but you you're only a bug house peddler of secondhand gospel you're only shoving out a phony imitation of the goods this jesus wanted free as air and sunlight you tell people living in shanties jesus is going to fix fix it up all right with them by giving them mansions in the skies after they're they're dead and the worms have eaten them you tell six dollar a week department store girls all they need is jesus you take a steel trust wop dead without having 
lived, gray and shrunken at 40 years of age, and you tell him to look at Jesus on the cross and he'll be all right. You tell poor people they don't need any more money on payday, and even if it's fierce to be out of a job, Jesus will fix that all up all right, all right. All they got to do is take Jesus the way you say. I'm telling you, Jesus wouldn't stand for the stuff you're handing out. Jesus played it different. The bankers and lawyers of Jerusalem got their sluggers and murderers to go after Jesus because Jesus wouldn't play their game. He didn't sit in with the big thieves. I don't want a lot of gab from a bunk shooter in my religion. I won't take my religion from any man who never works except with his mouth and never cherishes any memory except the face of the woman on the American silver dollar. I ask you to come through and show me where you're pouring out the blood of your life. I've been to this suburb of Jerusalem, the Jerusalem they call Golgotha, where they nailed him. I know if the story is straight, it was real blood ran from his hands and the nail holes, and it was real blood spurted in red drops where the spear of the Roman soldier rammed in between the ribs of this Jesus of Nazareth. Whoa. That is a <laughs> clap awesome. back. Isn't it Holy awesome? shit. Just a total fuck you man wow you're gonna get up there and talk about somebody who stood up for Bravo. every single person you steal from <laughs> hell yeah i yeah. love this dude amazing poem by carl sandberg amazing that was incredible yeah wow. so that that is uh i was like transfixed for a moment i was like I, in a trance i yeah same here i can't believe i read that without fucking up more than i did um like the reason I like I look up a lot of this stuff about this guy, this Billy Sunday, and, mm-hmm. and a lot of it is somewhat washed. I wouldn't say that they explicitly make him out to be this like hero, mm-hmm. but they I, I don't think they do a good job of painting how at least I was reading this, interpreting it as you're grifting a lot of people, man. Yeah. And like I know it's a show. So I, 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 I do, did people think of it as a show at but that time? But I don't time? think that it was probably, it w- probably wasn't prefaced as, hey, this is mostly theatrical yeah, or like yeah. take some of this with a grain of salt. It was probably preached as like, this is, this the gospel. is how it is. Yeah. yeah. I just, I'd be interested in how people who went, did they think like that? Did they buy into it or were they more like- Well, they probably did because or, there wasn't like TV or- Sure, but, but or were they more like, in, after they went, they were like, I don't know, this guy's kind of full of shit, but that was fun. Well, I'm, it sounded I'm, like I'm a glad. bunch of people but, took it seriously. But, well, that's what I'm and they didn't pay to get in. They gave him offerings. Yeah. So p- people did. And then I read this and I was like, obviously this poet, this Pulitzer Prize winning poet, he had his thumb on the pulse of the Midwest, especially, and really the yeah. whole country. I mean, he wrote very, very um, interesting mm-hmm. kind of dialogues about our time. Mm-hmm. And he wrote this amazing thing. So I'm like, yeah. wow, well, I'll trust Carl. <laughs> Billy yeah. was probably a shitbag grifter. <laughs> uh, I mean, he, that's that was exactly my thought when we were talking about him. So yeah. And so that is a little bit about the wow. Chautauqua movement wow. um, and the, um, you know, linked um, preacher, Billy Sunday. I like the idea of ending every episode with a poem. Yeah, well, that that'd be a little bit cool. difficult. I mean, it'd be hard to find one as good as that and as pertinent to the discussion. Yeah, I but think uh, we uh, peaked right there. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. That was amazing. Thank you. I'm glad um, that I learned about that. Well, thank, I thank you. Thank Carl Sandberg. Yeah, um, thank you, Carl Sandberg. Yes, thank you. I hope I did a good reading. Um, I think you did a great job. Let me know when I die. Um, <laughs> when I become a ghost and we can go ghost Ooh. people together but thank you everybody for listening yeah um, thanks guys if you guys uh, like the show you can uh, help us out in a number of ways you can tell a friend about the show you mm-hmm. can leave a rating and review that's yeah. easy enough you can go to our website and click the donate button if you you're can. nasty um, if you would like to contact us you can do so at our podcast page um, it is uh, whosyourdaddypod.com that's mm-hmm. you know our website yep I don't know why I said podcast page it's our website <laughs> um, 
That's where the donate button is too. Yeah. We're real good at these exits, aren't we? Uh, and you can send us an email at hoosierdaddypod.com or you can tweet at us. And this is new. It's our new uh, Twitter account at Hoosier Tweety. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Whose Daddy is still up. It, uh, in the bio, it'll redirect you to at Whose Tweety. But yeah, yeah, at Whose Tweety is where we are now. All right, yep. Jenna. Well, yep. and I'm still oh, at Big wait. Stinky Jenna. Yeah, you're still at Big Stinky Jenna. I do also want to mention that we have a Discord now. We have oh, a Discord. Oh yeah, you just started that. You yeah, want to tell I, about that? I like Discord. I think it's a great way to chat. And since I don't have a smartphone, it's kind of what I use a mm-hmm. lot. Um, and it's kind of fun. And it's just a place to talk about different cities in Indiana. I have mm-hmm. a you know channel for each one. Talk about new episodes. Talk about whatever you guys want. So yeah. if you're interested in joining that and just you know being a lefty on the internet in Indiana or the Midwest, <laughs> uh, join it. Yeah. Um, I think there's a link on my Twitter. And if not, just DM me or whatever. And I'll, I'll send it to you. Yeah. All right. Trivia question. Cool. All right. So... And you might already know this. Um, So coming in with a depth of nearly 120 feet, what is the deepest lake in Indiana? Oh, shit. I did know this at one point. Oh, man. Fuck me. I think it's in the southern part of the state. Um, And I have no idea what the name could be. Um, (laughs) You want to guess a name? Yeah, I'll guess a name. I will say um, Madison Lake. Who's your daddy? A lot of people do an awful lot of thinking about a place. Called home, sweet home. A lot of people do an awful lot of talking about a place. Called home, sweet home. Poems are being poemed about. Songs are being songed about. The place everybody loves the best. And I'm no different from the rest. I love my home, sweet home. I've done a lot of dreaming about the day when I'll be going back to my home, sweet home. I'm gonna pack a bag and hop a train and then for home, sweet home, I'm gonna set out Cause I've got the blues I've got the blues That just won't get out I've gotta get back home I've gotta get back home Back home again in Indiana And it seems that I can see the gleaming candlelight still shining bright through the sycamores for me the new mown hay sends all its fragrance through the fields i used to roam and when i dream about the moonlight on the wabash then i long for my indiana home back home again home back in indiana Oh, it seems that I can see See the gleaming candlelight Still shining bright in Indiana It's the middle west, but we love it The moon shines the best above it We love it All the new morning sends fragrance 
through the fields I used to roam. And when I dream about the moonlight on the Wabash River, then I long for my Indiana home. In Indiana, in Indiana, my home. In Indiana, my home, sweet home. 